This is Zion Hebraic Congregation with me, Luke Tanner. This week's Shabbat message is by my dad, Warren Tanner. It is entitled, Amalek is Watching, from Exodus chapter 32. Uh, feel free to check us out on our website, zionhebraiccongregation.com. There you will find all of our archived Shabbat messages, as well as all my dad's weekly blog posts. You can subscribe to those if you put your email in the little email subscribe box. And uh, you can also subscribe to our weekly Shabbat messages on whatever your favorite podcast platform provider is, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, and the like. And uh, our theme music, as always, is by my buddy Evan Shaw. You can find him at his website, www.evanshawmusic.com. And he's also on Instagram, at Evan Shaw Music. Enjoy! Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does not away. For soon is the day when we see your face on the mount of your grace and zero. All right, well, turn to um, Exodus 32. We're actually going to start at 31, verse 18, and then go through chapter 32. This is not the message I had planned to do. But honestly, like I said in my blog, my mind's just fried just with everything. And um, to have to think my way through my sermon that I prepared, trying to come up with the words to fit my skeletal outline, it's, it's taxing on the head. So, so as I was telling you this morning, this, this brief little thing I was going to do turned into almost four pages of notes, so I'm no better off <laughs> with this one. But hopefully I can get us through it quicker. So I have entitled this, The Amalekites Are Watching. The Amalekites Are Watching. So this is where I am in my reading. And it's, it's familiar probably to most church-going people. Um, it's, it's the golden calf incident. It's very familiar. It just happens to be where I am. So I didn't go looking for this. but uh, And so as I, I've... I'm not reading as slowly through these bigger books as I was with the smaller books, but I am reading slowly. And I decided to read this chapter a few different times and just because I wanted to see what may be lurking in the recesses of it that I haven't seen before. So let's pray. Father, bless. Thank you for the words of wisdom that Luke shared. Help us all with uh, how to navigate our lives through the techno society in which we live in and to be willing to examine our own hearts, minds, and intentions, which is always difficult, and to tell ourselves the truth. So easy to just keep kind of fibbing, lying to ourselves. So, and as Luke presents more on this down the road, Father, just, just give him wisdom, give us the, the wisdom to receive and to take steps to uh, become more separated unto you, whatever that ends up looking like, in accordance with your word. Bless this time as we look at your word. Um, make it a blessing. Touch our hearts. In Yeshua's name. Amen. All right, so the Amalekites are watching. <coughs> so chapter 31, verse 18, it kind of just, it, it, it segues us. It's, it's the transition from what's gone before to where we're going. And I'm not going to I'm not going to go through what came before, but this verse lets us kind of know where we are. So, and, and he, God, gave unto Moses when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony, tables of stone written with the finger of God. All right. So that's happening. And just as God, this is how I'm viewing it and I'm going to present it, just as God puts the last period in the document and hands it over to Moses, 
that glorious thing has just finished transpiring and bam, chapter 32 is happening. All right. So we get into 32. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down, for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people. and Behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them and that I may consume them and I will make of thee a great nation. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thy own self and saidst unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. And Moses turned and went down from the mount, and the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. The tables were written on both their sides, on the one side and on the other were they written. And the tables were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God graven upon the tables. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. And he said, It's not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise of them, but, uh, but the noise of them that sing do I hear. And it came to pass, as soon as he came nigh into the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables out of his hands and break them beneath the mount. And he took the calf which they had made and burnt it in the fire and ground it to powder and strawed it upon the water and made the children of Israel drink of it. And Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief. For they said unto me, Make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. And I said unto them, Whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me. Then I cast it into the fire, and there came out this calf. And when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. And he said unto them, 
Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, put every man his sword by his side and go in and out from gate to gate throughout the camp and slay every man his brother and every man his companion and every man his neighbor. And the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses and there fell of the people that day about 3000 men. For Moses had said, consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, even every man upon his son and upon his brother, that he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, Ye have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up unto the Lord. Peradventure I shall make an atonement for your sin. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Therefore, now go, lead the people unto the place of which I have spoken unto thee. Behold, mine angel shall go before thee. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. And the Lord plagued the people because they made the calf which Aaron made. All right, powerful stuff, powerful stuff. You know, it made me think how often, you know, you're kind of waiting on God and you want him to act and it's like, it's never going to happen. And so you decide, kind of like Abraham, man, I better take things into my own matter, uh, take matters into my own hand. And just as you do that, God was like ready to start then. Have you ever been there? It's like, oh, if I had only waited just a little bit longer, if I had trusted God just a little bit more. Well, that's kind of what happened here. You know, it was sign sealed and document in hand and getting ready to go. And where is this guy after all? Enough is enough. And it all goes to hell in the handbasket. So the Amalekites <coughs> are watching. And the reason I, I chose that is, is verse 25. And when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. In other words, they were being watched. Most commentators, most people believe that this is talking about Amalek, the Amalekites, which are highlighted significantly, and we may or may not get to it in chapter 17. So, so the enemies are there. They're, they're kind of like in the woodwork, watching this whole scene unfold, much like the world is watching us in our lives. But they're kind of silently watching. They're not in our face saying, what the heck are you doing? Why are you doing this? They want to see, if left to ourselves, what these people will do. And so the Amalekites, who are kind of waiting behind the scenes, because this is kind of their territory, their land, they're lurking to wait for the right moment to pounce because God said, I will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. They're going to be around. And they're still around here, spiritually speaking. They're, they're the programmers of, the, of the, all these programs that you were writing about. You know, how can I get these stupid idiots to do what I want them to do? Well, I'll just give it to them, right? That's kind of like Aaron. He's the programmer in this process. Well, oh, I would just give them what they want. So anyway, um, so Moses just got the two tablets and then bang, I love it. And he gave unto Moses 18, 31, 18, uh, when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony, tables of stone, written with the finger of God. Woohoo! Moses is probably all happy. This, oh, this is good. It's 40 days, 40 nights, and man, it's like I can't wait to chow down. I'm going to get down there, eat something food, and we're going to fellowship and have a great time, and I'll present to them the covenant. Boy, there's so much pathos in all of this. So much human experience. So much reality of where we live. So, 
Anyway, so what I want to do is, is just I've broken this down into sections and we'll just I just want to highlight a few different things in each section. And I don't want to get bogged down because I always do. All right. So the first section is verses, <coughs> excuse me, one through six. But I want to just talk about a couple of things. First off, verse one. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered himself and on and on. What I wanted and why I got zeroed in on this word delayed, I don't know. But th there's not a one of us that likes to undergo delay, right? You're at the airport and you're just wanting to get, you know, and you're in between, you're in, in between stops and, you, and you're just hoping the next plane. You, the first thing you do is you go to that big board and say, oh, I hope my plane's not delayed, right? Nobody likes a delay. It's difficult to, to, to experience delay, live through delay, to handle delay. Basically, to not be getting what you want to have happen right then. It's, it's delayed. Kind of like where we find ourselves with this stupid virus thing. Everything's kind of like on hold. It's frustrating. It's being delayed. Okay, so this word delayed, you know, it just seems like a regular word, but it's, there's a little bit to it, and, and I tried to, to look into it, and, and it, it has, from one source said, the word delayed, it means to fail, to fail in hope and expectation. So, so what's going on here? This word is, is it's giving us a window into their emotional state and, and their, their, their mindset. There was this delay. Well, it's more of not that Moses delayed, but it's this, what's built into this word that lets us know why do people do what they do. To fail in hope and expectation, which is joined with shame and blushing. When I read that, I was like, whoa, okay, I get it now. To fail in hope and expectation, which is joined with shame and blushing. So <laughs> I thought, how can, how can I get us to understand what's going on? All right, so this is my illustration. It may not be true of you, may not be exactly perfect, but get where I'm going with this. I want us to feel what they were feeling, and I'm not putting them off the hook, but I want us to see why they did what they did because what they did is no different from what we do when we're trying to wait from wait wait uh, on God for what we want. All right, so I'm trying to make this connection. All right, so have you ever waited so long for someone to show up that you started to feel uncomfortable to the point of wondering if you're an idiot for still waiting. Has that ever happened? Maybe, maybe not. Oh, yeah, I'll meet you at such and such a place. Or, yeah, we're all going to get together there. And, and, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait. Um, basically, have you ever been stood up? I'm not just talking about stood up in a date. But has anybody ever failed while you're waiting? Whether I'll send it in the mail. It's not maybe we're waiting for the physical presence. But something was promised and, and <laughs> yeah, I'll get it to you. Oh, yeah, I'll call you back. And, and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you wonder, should I call them back? Did they forget? I, gosh, I don't know. This is important. They said they'd call back, but I don't want to bother them if I do. And there's, you know, but, but man, it's been so long and they said they'd call pretty much right back. And it's like two days later, you know, did they forget? And then I don't want to call because then I'll make them feel like, ah, oh, I was thinking you forgot me. And maybe you still didn't, but there was no contact. And so you start to feel like an idiot. And that's what they said here, to fail in hope and expectation, which is joined with shame and blushing. You start to feel like an idiot because you're waiting so long. It's past a reasonable time. And that's what's happened here. 40 days and 40 nights, we just thought Moses was going to skip up there, meet with God, do, take care of business and come back. And he'd be back in no time. And besides, he didn't say, hey, you know what? He didn't send down a note. Hey, everybody, it's going to be longer than I thought. Hang tight. You know, there's no updates. There's no phone. Say he can't text anybody and say, oh, by the way, this is taking longer with God than I thought. You know, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know what I'm saying? There, there was nothing. You had to wait sight unseen and have faith in the man of God, meet with God, that what God said was going to happen was going to happen. And I think sometimes we might feel stupid for waiting for Yeshua to come back. Stupid for saying we believe the word of God is the Bible, the very word of God, and we're waiting for it. Where are the promise of the fathers? All things have stayed the same. Nothing's changed. Where is he? 
Do you believe in a guy that, that, do you understand what I'm saying? Well, why don't you go here? Why do you do this? Why, what is, well, because I believe in this, this Bible. Well, didn't it say in this Bible that he'd take care of you and, and he would provide for your needs? I mean, just like I wrote my blog. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> he told you he'll take care of the, he takes care of the sparrows and the lilies and all that stuff in the grass of the field and he'll take care of you. Well, why are you sick? Why are you out of a job? Where's your God now? I'm waiting on him. How long have you been waiting? Gosh, I've been out of a job for a while now. Right? Do you understand what I'm saying? This is where we live. It's a test. It's a test. It's a test. How long can you hold out and trust your unseen God that you've never heard a single word from? Right? Tarry till I come. The heck's that going to be? We've waited 2,000 years. And now with technology and everything happening instantaneously, belief in God seems like almost the stupidest thing anybody can do now because technology has taken the place of God. Everything's instant. He's making you wait. I don't have to wait for anything. I go to Amazon, I get it next day. What's wrong with your God? Do you understand what I'm saying? We start to look stupid. We feel stupid. That was their problem. They're waiting. <laughs> the man with the message for them has been delayed. Our man with the message has been delayed, it seems like. So how stupid are we willing to look to this world? We need to be willing to look as stupid as stupid is. Because we're idiots in the eyes of the world. So delayed. Then the second thing in this is verse 5. This is just doesn't really matter. Just interesting thing. And it wasn't my thought. This is years ago. And I don't know if it's right. <coughs> and it doesn't really matter. But it says, and when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. I probably we most think when, when, when Aaron saw it, what is it? And I know it's in italicized, but what was it that he saw that caused him to take the next step? Was it, you know, wow, that thing's really beautiful. You know, is that the it that caused him to say, hey, yeah, this is really good. Let's, let's meet tomorrow and have a, a great time together. I, I think what he saw was the response of the people to it. And again, that's not my idea. I don't know if it exactly fits. But there is an element to that. There's not a one of us that doesn't respond in kind to the response we get back. You know, if a preacher's preaching and, and the congregation is with him and, and he's, they're locked tight on him with their eyes, it just motivates him. He sees their response. If I'm out there up here and I'm looking out and everybody's dropping like flies and everybody's over here doing this, that, and the other thing and looking here, there, and everything, it starts to, you know, the response isn't the same. That it is having an effect. Well, I think the it is what Aaron saw was, whew, this turned out better than I thought. I didn't expect any of this. All right, here. And what's interesting is, <coughs> what the heck is wrong with Aaron? He should have said, no, he's my brother. But as for this guy, we don't even know what happened to him. And, and he should have said, you know what? He's my brother. I know him. Hadn't seen him for a while, but everything's done. Look at what we've been through for crying out loud. Look at what we've been through for crying out loud. And he's the guy that got us to this point. And all of a sudden now, no, he's, if nothing else, he should have said, shut your stinking mouth. It's family. He's my brother. If you don't like it, take a hike and go someplace else. Don't ever stop defending family, even when it looks like family are idiots, which Moses was kind of starting to look like. So the it, perhaps this means that Aaron saw how well the people were pleased. The it is their re positive response, as well as their response to the idol. Do with that as you want. All right, next section, 7 through 14. <laughs> this is just a little bit interesting. There's this exchange going on that 
I don't know if I saw it before or not until this time, but I, I did. I, I like this interchange. All right, so verse 7. Uh, and the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down, for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. <coughs> and I'm just thinking, and, and this isn't true, because if I was actually in the presence of God, I wouldn't do this. But you have to understand... So I'm talking to God. Let's do it. I'm looking at God. He said, all right. And he's talking to me, that, that finger painting there. He said, okay, now we're done here. Here it is. Grab, take it. All right, now go get down. And as he's doing this, he's saying, um, what verse did I just say we're at? Seven. And the Lord said to Moses, go, get thee down. Okay, and now he's going, for thy people... Which thou broughtest, uh, I, so wait a minute here, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Well, this is what I'm saying, I'd want to say to God, if, I'd say this to a human being. Well, whoa, wait a minute here, you're not putting this on me. You're not putting this on me, no, it's not, these are your people. You brought them out, I did exactly what you told me to do. But God puts it on him to see how he's going to respond to this right now. So, when you get down to verse 11, you have this interchange. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why did thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt? <laughs> he kind of turns it around now. God says, these are your people that you brought out. He says, hey, God, why are you angry at your people that you brought out? I, I just like this. And, and if nothing else, it can teach us how to have a, an honest interchange with God. God says, these are your people. Yeah, well, then he says, no, God, these are kind of your people. But, so, but what's interesting, you get into chapter 33, verse 1. God gets the last word. And the Lord said unto Moses, depart and go out thence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt unto the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I like that. So you have this interchange, and this tells us, I think, a lot about how to interact with God, how to talk to God, how to be honest with God, how to, to actually let God hear you out a little bit and say, yeah, that's good, nice thinking, yes, that's wonderful, but you know what? Basically, God is saying, you signed up for the task. Not that he had a chance to say no, but he, you said you'd do this. You took on this responsibility. Now own it. It's yours. And if this is going to be successful, you have to take ownership for what you willingly received from me to do. Sort of willingly, let's just say. And now when it goes bad, you know, and I kind of call you to own it, you turn it around and put the ownership on me. No, 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 no. Yes, it's mine. But you take ownership for that which you signed on for with me. Which means when we got saved and we gave our life over to Yeshua and we entered into covenant relationship with him, we can't turn around and say, hey, God, hey, God, no, no, no. We, and this is what, what <laughs> we fail to get across when we talk to people about salvation. It's not just this feel good thing. He's going to fix everything, take away problems and good to go and you're going to heaven. No, we are signing a contract. We are entering into an obligation. And with this, this are, are some responsibilities. And it may be like reading that just... <coughs> Sorry for my throat. It's <coughs> scratchy from everything that's been going on. So, you know, it's like when you get that thing the lawyer wants you to sign and you just sign it. You don't read it. Well, it's in the fine print. Well, basically, it was in the fine print. You should have said, you want to come after me? It might cost your life, family, everything. You're going to have to take up a cross, walk a life of death. Somehow we miss that. You know, we're, we're, we signed the document but never read it. And why, and why? Because the lawyer's not going to take you through it word by word and explain everything. He just wants you to sign it. Get it signed. And so we don't really want to be bothered with the details. You know, let's get to the end, you know. Afterwards, all the good of what you signed with that lawyer on that document, now the good stuff will happen. And that's kind of how we bridge this. Well, wait a minute, gosh, I, I guess I should have read the fine print before I signed on here. How, you know, how, who doesn't consider the cost of building 
before he starts to build? Or who doesn't consider how many soldiers are going to be needed to fight the battle? So Moses, no, no, no. These are your people. You brought them out. Take ownership of it. Get going, 33.1. Depart and go up hence thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt. So we start out, verse 7. God says, thy people thou brought. Verse 11, Moses turns it around. No, thy people that you brought out. Now it's get going. God gets the last word. These are the people that thou hast brought up. Take them now. Own it. It's yours. Just like we have to do for ownership of our salvation, ownership for living by, our, living by faith, taking God at his word. Just get going and go. Take some steps of faith. Quit sitting around like I do and kind of waiting and hoping and feeling sorry for yourself. And <coughs> where's God anyway? Take some steps to go forward. All right. That gets us to verses 15, <coughs> excuse me, uh, through 18. <clears throat> and all I want to point out here is, is what I, how I'm seeing it. So, uh, verse 15. And Moses turned and went down from the mount, and the two tables of testimony were in his hand. The tables were written on both sides, on the one side and on the other were written. Eh, blah, 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 blah. And uh, 17. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people, as they shouted, he said unto Moses, what I love is his response, and it's what I'm calling his innocence, Joshua's innocence, or naivete, if I'm saying that word right. He assumes the best. Oh, he hears the noise and says, oh, they're being attacked, they're being attacked. There's, there's noise of war in the camp. Well, we, you know, I can just see, he's, he's the greenhorn, he's, he's young, he's inexperienced. He hasn't been through much, we'll say. I'm just putting a whole lot into this. But, you know, he's, he's at... That newbie that just everything is, is response, 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 and you're making a lot of dumb mistakes and you're tripping over your feet and you're just screwing up all over the place and making mistakes. Where the boss has been doing this for the last 15 years, if he just, who's been through it, seen it all, he just kind of chills and, and he can assess and, and see and read and absorb and conclude. Well, that's what Moses did. So you have Joshua, he's, he's young, he's, he's whatever he is, but he's, he's Moses' protege, his, his aide. And, and I just love this because Moses says, uh, 18, and he said, It's not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that do sing, I hear, that sing do I hear. I love that. That just comes from wisdom, insight, spending time with God. You, you start to see these things and you don't, you don't watch out into making rash assumptions about certain circumstances and situations, which could be tragic down the road. So give, we, we, we have to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We have to gain his wisdom. And that's why the Bible says, honor your elders, listen to them. Learn from them. They've lived a long time. They've amassed a whole life of experience. Yes, it's looked stupid towards all the journey and all the mistakes, but you finally reach this point. And so Moses is gaining the experience to be the guy that can lead them faithfully like needs to be done. Joshua, well, he has a little bit of learning to do. <laughs> all right, 19 through 24. Now, all I want to do is focus on, I, I love this, and, 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 and it's Moses' anger. And immediately my mind just went to Yeshua in the temple, overthrowing the table, money changers, and just, just going berserk and ballistic all over the place and what that must have looked like. And, you know, we're so PC'd these days, as far as Christians and Messianics, we can't get angry or mad about anything. And you can't raise your voice. You can't, you, can't, you can't get mad anymore. You know, well, well I just, I, I, forget that. You know, there's a time and a place to get mad. Just be careful because you might overdo it. Like it cost Moses when he spoke to the rod or hit it twice and it's like, sorry. But I like the fact that he was exercised to the point of anger and I, what you have, you know, we read this sanitized. Try to picture what this must have looked like. 
Try to picture what this looked like. And would you have smashed the stones? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if, if you've seen it, but one of the things, and maybe you have, but the, the, when they try to, for children and modernize Moses up there, and God's writing with a laser. Have you seen that? The laser's coming from his finger. You know, I, it could have happened that way, or you could have just touched it. However, listen, I collect things that have been touched by movie stars, singers, um, Holocaust survivors, World War II heroes. Why? I like the fact that they touched it. Not everybody cares about that. I do. I like the fact that um, Dick Winters from Band uh, of Brothers actually touched the photo that he sent me and signed it. And Robert Duvall and, and Randy Travis and it goes on and on and on. I like, and the Holocaust survivors that wrote books that signed it. To think that they touched it. I treasure it, like what you were saying. These are collectibles. They're in special spots. They're precious to me. I guard them. I value them. He comes down with the, the, the original off the, the press edition. The first edition, the collectible edition. And he comes down and smashes it. God, right? I, I, don't, I don't know. God says, hey, you know what? Come on back up. But, you know, I cut the first ones for you. You go cut your own this time. You might not want to smash them so easily this next time because you got to cut them. So, so he, his anger, verse 19. And it came to pass as soon as he came down, nigh into the captain. So Moses' anger waxed hot. It's the word, and you've talked about Luke, the flaring of the nostrils. You're just breathing so hard. And your nose, the nostrils flaring, and you're trying to hold it in, and you're just ready to bust. And, and he takes them and smashes them. Oh, I wonder if he thought, what the heck did I just do? And he starts scrambling again, trying to beat them back together. I don't think so, but yeah, have you ever been so angry you've done something like taking a baseball bat? I won't say. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've all been that angry we have regrets. So, so then on top of that, now you have to picture verse 20. And he took the calf which they had made, burned it in a fire, ground it to powder, threw it on a bunch of water, and said, drink this. You know, how do you do that? You know, you say, get over here. You say, drink this. You don't drink this, I'm going to ring your stinker bell. And you have to take it. The interesting thing, it wasn't my thought, but this, somebody said, I don't know what to do, it's just interesting. Drinking this made them unclean. Why, I don't know, but I thought it was an interesting thought. You want, to be, you want to be dirty? You want to mess with this stuff? You want to just have a hoopty time into sin? And you willy-nilly readily take upon that sin? That dirt, that filth? You want to be dirty? I'll show you what dirty is, right? We've all done our kids. You want to be like that? I'm going to show you. You think so? I'm really going to show you. You know, what the heck's going on with that? Maybe, I don't know, I'm just thinking this right now, maybe that's where the plague came from. You know, he, God says he plagued them later on. You know, it's kind of like you it, drink the, the and you know, it did, is a woman are faithful and and yeah, she take, they take the dirt of the, the ground of the temple, put it in water, drink this. Let's see what happens. You know, after effects. I don't know. So anyway, and and so um, let's see, verse twenty-two, and Aaron said again. He said, "Hey, God, Mo <laughs> Moses, why are you so worked up over this?" Just chill a little bit. Aaron said, let not thy, the anger of my Lord wax hot. Then he starts to do like, well, you know those stupid people anyway. They're just set on mischief. It's like he didn't have anything to do with it. So Moses got mad. You know what? Get mad. It's all right to get mad at sin. It's all right to get mad at the sin in your own life. It, there's a time for, I guess it's the right word, righteous indignation. And, and we don't have that in the pulpits anymore. You don't have mad, spitting preachers behind the pulpit anymore. I've said, you know, chapel, long before my time, 
uh, Dr. Bob Jones Sr. <laughs> he just got, because he was an evangelist, and he went around, he was one of the last of the old-fashioned Methodist evangelists that just had the massive tent meetings around everywhere. And one day, and he'd always preached uh, at least once a week when he was on campus at the Preacher Boys, a bunch of them in the front row came in one day with umbrellas and, put a, and put, set them up over them. He said, what you doing with those? Because he would spit. He would get so excited, just a, and they'd get covered in spit. We don't have preachers anymore that shell the corn in the pulpits. And that's what's wrong. There needs to be a time when we get upset which is pretty much me all the time when I get up here all right verses 25 through 29 we gotta get through this um so verse 25 and when Moses saw that the people were naked that word naked it's it is it, probably physically but it has the idea of to let go to let loose to loosen restraints <laughs> because it's used in other places and it's the idea of they did not contain themselves. They just finally gave over. They gave in. They gave, they gave up. They didn't fight anymore. They didn't resist. They didn't restrain. Kind of like what you were saying today. It's not in the same thing, Luke, but, you know, you just go here, but you and I talked about, it. well, I'll just check my email. Well, and you check your email, and Yahoo over here to the side, there's all these ads, these pictures, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're coming to do a good thing, or even the Bible programs. We're talking about Bible programs. There's some good Bible programs that because they, they accept uh, merchandising, well, they throw anything up there. So here's a man of God, this is me, trying to do a spiritually minded thing. I don't use these anymore. Next thing you know over here, there's this woman. And right alongside your Bible passage in the commentary. Ah, <laughs> you know? Um, so you have to say, do I... Restrain myself or do I say, hmm, okay, oh, okay, I better get back here. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is how this stuff sort of starts to happen. Satan wants to make us naked, to let go of restraints, to just give over ourselves. Why fight anymore? The delay's so long, and what are you getting anyway for the delay? This crazy guy with these two pieces of stone? So, uh, then it says also in verse 25, let's see, and, they, and when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame. This, I think, means, the, the word means to be held in contempt. I think this goes with the Malachites because it's connected with, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among the enemies. In other words, the Amalekites, the enemies, held these people now in contempt. Oh, they're the people of God? God did all this to Egypt? Killed all these people? Took them through the flood, through the, uh, through, through the river, and, and it came down and killed all Pharaohs? I mean, there's death everywhere, and, and these people are praising God for, for, for the great deliverance, and, and yet they just hit a, a bump in the road here, and, and they fall all apart, and they can't trust their God that just did all this miraculous stuff for them in the past, which they seem to forget so easily. And, 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 and so we're telling the world, come to Jesus. He'll save you. He'll set you free. And, and, and you get peace in your heart, and the things of heaven become more precious, and the things of this world start to fade away, and then they start looking at us and they see this in our lives and our families and, and our congregations and all the wealth and all this other stuff and all the hypocrisy. And, and, and the Amalekites are standing off on the side of our own lives, that people that we work with, family members that are unsaved, the, the, the people that live in the communities where our congregations are and they, they see our lives at work the next day and they start to hold us in contempt. Right? They don't want to listen to us. Why listen to us? We saw you naked and dancing just the other day, worshiping that idol. We saw what you guys did. Don't pretend it didn't happen. Don't try to excuse yourself. And you turned your back on your leader? That's all it took? You, you, just, you just got rid of your pastor? You didn't trust him after all those years of starting the church, building the church? Uh, so, marrying you and 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 now 
this happens and you just throw him under the bus and nobody stands up for him. And I'm talking, I know this happened to another church. And, and the Amalekites are saying that's all it took to throw that guy under the bus that gave his heart and soul to you crappy people. And the Amalekites just say, yeah, where can I sign up? They hold us in contempt. They hold, and, and they should. And, and I don't mean that, that everybody just talked about it. I'm talking about me. If I don't live my faith as I should before my unsaved people at work and neighbors and members, and maybe, ooh, I deserve to be held in contempt. And so they held them in contempt. All right, let's see. Oh, so then, now this, I was going to say it's good, it's not. So verse 26. So, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who's on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. So, you have to picture, you know, hey, who wants to join the team? You know, hey, you know, who wants to come with me? Not God, but somebody. You know, and, and oh yeah, oh yeah, I know him, sure, let's, let's go. Well, I don't sign up for anything. I've learned the hard way. Give me some details first. I want the details first. I'm not, I, I don't get suckered anymore into saying, oh, we're looking for a few volunteers. Anybody want to volunteer? Um, and, and you don't have any details, but you're kind of trusting anyway. This is a backwards way to say what I want to say. But then you get the details. Then you get the details. And that's what's happened here. Um, so, uh, 26, and all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together. Unto him. And he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Now this is where it gets a little dicey. Put every man his sword by his side and go in and out from the gate to gate throughout the camp and slay every man his brother, every man his companion, and, and every man his neighbor. I can tell you this is what I would be saying if I find what I said. This is what I would be saying. Oh crap, what did I just get myself into? You know, that's how I thought about this as I'm putting myself in the place of, of the Levites because they just saw God's angry, uh, Moses angry, and bam, bam, and he's just, he's wants an elite team to gather to his side. Well, sure. Well, now I want to sign up with him. I'm not saying that's what they did. And so you're not even expecting, now go in there and kill your family members. Kill everybody. Go kill, 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 kill. <sighs> no, in just my humanist, I'd be saying, I should have thought this through. Why didn't I ask any questions? Oh, look what I got myself into. That's not exactly how it is. I'm just telling you. What were they feeling when they got their marching orders? Because it it says, 27, brother, companion, neighbor. But then 29, it says, he throws in, um, uh, let every man, uh, every man upon his son and upon his brother. Now, if I were to say clearly, go kill Gideon, she'd probably say, well, yeah, I've been waiting for that order. Yeah, sign me up. But go kill your brother? Go kill your son? Ooh, there's a cost involved here, folks. I don't think we're ready to pay for it. Because we're we, Messianics, when our family turns against us. And, and our loved ones don't want anything to do with us. And all of a sudden we're thinking, why, God? Oh. Or you get saved and mom and dad say, I don't want anything to do it. Great for you. Don't need it. Well, Jesus said, you're going to lose house, family, whatever he said, brothers, sisters. He just said, if you follow me, you're going to lose these people. Well, this is very tangible here. You sign it up right now. You, you stepped across the line. You're now mine. Go. Well, I didn't know I was going to have to go kill son or brother or, and, or, or companion. And, and golly. So we're told in verse 28, there fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. That was a bloodbath. What kind of God do we serve? If you're standing back watching this, you're thinking, that God's a lunatic. To command that guy to tell them to go in there and just start slaughtering family? Right? This is lunacy to the world. 
the Amalekites that are watching this, they, they probably think, well, it's a good thing we kept our distance from these guys. You know, stupid Aaron sold out his brother. Moses comes down, supposedly meeting with the God up there and all the flaming fire and all that stuff. He, he, he smashes that stuff, makes them drink all this water that's filled with this stupid golden calf. And, and now he says, go kill everybody. 3,000. All the Amalekites, sign me up. But God does this stuff to reinforce to the mindset of the lost world what they want to believe already. Because I don't think all, all Amalekites are going to die and go to hell. There were probably some that got saved. So it's like when Jesus said, your ears are stopped, your eyes, you can't see, you don't want to hear, so I'm going to harden your stinking heart anyway, and that's what you really want. But there had to be some in that crowd that said, whoa, what he's saying is the truth. So God uses all of this for his glory. Somehow. But there's a cost, and it may get personal. It might cost you family members. It might cost you a job. <sighs> it might cost you your health. Paul says, I forget who it was, Paphras or whoever, he said, he almost died because he was giving himself to your service. He was sick unto death, but God spared both him and me. All right, 30 through 35. So verse 30. And it came to pass, so this is after, um, you know, 29, go in and kill everybody. 3,000. And it came to pass on a morrow, Moses said unto the people, you have sinned a great sin. Now I will go up unto the Lord. Peradventure I shall make an atonement for your sin. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, what, what struck me is Moses now is going up. The carnage is just left behind him. And now the people have to tangibly deal with the results of their disobedience and bury the dead. Can you imagine the weeping and the crying and the brokenness? Shattered families, dad's dead, mom's dead, uh, Gideon's dead. And, and, and now we have to, where is he? Try to find him and, 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 and have and bury the dead and go through that period of mourning. And the blood is still fresh everywhere. See, we don't read it like this. You know why? Because we're just reading through to get the Bible, or I've done my daily Bible reading, and I don't really have time to, to stand, stop and meditate and think and ponder because I got up too late and I have to go to work and I got to eat breakfast. And, and I'm not saying I'm seeing anything great. What I'm seeing is it's common. It's not anymore. Why? Make it live for yourself. I come through this stuff and it's like... <sighs> I'm nothing special. You've seen me long enough. I don't have a doctor degree in anything. I can barely speak English or long Hebrew or Greek. And I'm not studying Hebrew or Greek and I'm not going to had no plans of studying Hebrew or Greek. Take that. So then, 32 and 33, there's this blotting out thing going on. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of the book which thou hast written. And the Lord said unto Moses, Hey, whoever sinned against me, him, I'm going to blot out. You've got a task to do. Go. So what is this book? I don't, I don't really know. One, one source said uh, there is an allusion to the registering of the living and erasing the names of those who died. It may be just as simple as that. Moses saying, hey, I want to die with the rest of them. You know, can you just blot me out of that register? Take my life. I don't know if that's what's going on. But you have to wonder, I mean... We always think the man of God is immune to feelings and emotions. And, and he's a guy that's up here spitting and snorting and, and dumping all this stuff on everybody else. And he just walks away in the midst of the carnage and goes back up to meet with God while he's just ruined my life. What am I going to do what he just preached about? No, what you don't see is, God, kill me too, please. God, you know, you step back and you, you look. And you just say, God, I don't know. That's why Jeremiah found himself a, a bush to crawl under. 
That's why some of these guys we read about, they just say, God, kill me, I've had enough. You, you don't know what it's like to be on this other side of the pulpit. It's like Coy trying to explain to us and get us to see what it's like being a cop and how it's taken a toll on him and how he'll never be the same. We can't enter into that, but we have to trust that those have been put in that position to, to bear up underneath the weight and experiences, see the things. And rather than, this is why I get so raging mad, I almost got into a fight. I didn't even tell you about this. I don't think a couple days ago with a guy about, it's like the fourth time he's trashed cops. And I was just thinking, done with it. And this is going back to, uh, you know, what, the, what the, the man behind the badge goes through or the man that just got the, the tablets goes through or the preacher that is trying to preach and, and lead his family. And, and so, you know, again, I've, I say all the time to these people, listen, I don't want to hear stuff like that. I said it just pisses me off when I hear people. And, and I used to try to be nice at the first time. This is where I am. My son's a cop in Manchester. He's now on SWAT team. He, every day these cops go out to give their life. Are there a few? Yes, but blah, please don't. It's my son. And everybody says, fine, not this guy. So now I'm into the fourth time of this happening. Out of nowhere, and this is before 7 o'clock in the morning, mind you. This is before 7 o'clock in the morning when he and I talk. And he started again in on, oh, these cops, they, they blah, blah, blah. I said, my, I said, listen, my, he said, I don't want to hear this again that your son's a cop. Whoa. Whoa. Ah. Anger. Man, I let him have it. He's like, what is going on here? And he kept coming back. And I said, you better shut your mouth. And what are you going to do about it? He's sitting in a chair. I got up to him, my face was probably a foot away. And I said, if you don't shut, I was hoping, I'm hoping one day I'll get a response where, because, oh, I can't wait for the first guy that I get to beat the living daylight out of that trashes cops. All that to say, it's so easy to trash the preacher. It's so easy to go home, we, the saying used to be, and have roast preacher after the message. It's so easy to find a fault. And rather than try to be like an Aaron and a her, when in the moment of weakness, when the hands start to go down, to say, what the heck is wrong with you? Why, are, why can't you keep your hands up? Isn't God giving you strength? Look at all the people that are dying because you're weak. What the heck's wrong with an Aaron and a her? Another pastor that I know, very personal, who after 30 years got basically run out of his church because of, of the Amalekites that came within. And I said to this man, who's a good friend of mine from that church, who'd been there forever, did you not say anything? Well, they all knew what I stood for anyway. And I just, I said, no, you are supposed to stand up. Just like Aaron should have did for Moses, done for Moses. So, um, how the heck did I get going on all that? I don't even know what got me going on that. But anyway, what got me going on that? Oh, Moses, he's going back up, and and the carnage is left behind, and these poor people are having to deal with it. But yet Moses, he's already said, "God blot me out," but nobody sees that. Say, like, oh yeah, Moses, he gets to go back out there and cool, meet with God while the rest of us are here having to deal with this stuff. And I don't know if anybody said that, but I can imagine that. All right, so now, let's see. So, um, so in this prayer, one, one, in relation to verse 45, this, um, oh, and, and, yeah, verse 35, and the Lord plagued the people. One, one guy said, uh, commentator said, so Moses prevailed uh, for, so thus Moses prevailed for a mitigation of the punishment, but could not wholly turn away the wrath of God. So because Moses interceded, he spared them, he bought them some time, 
but God was still going to deal with them. So I loved how the guy said it. Thus Moses prevailed for a mitigation of the punishment. Corey, you know more what that means. But he could not wholly turn away the wrath of God. The Lord plagued the people because they made the calf which Aaron made. All right, so let's wrap it up, bring it back to where I started. So, all the while, Amalek is watching and learning how to dismantle the people of God. So, like he says, you said this morning, through technology, I'll just give them what they want. And before you know it, this happened to me so many times, Luke, <laughs> and I still try to fight it. Well, just before I have my Bible <coughs> devotions, I'll check my email. How stupid can I be? Because how many times have I been drawn away? Just momentarily. This is a good thing. Oh, so oh, that went quick, and I'll just, uh, yeah, delete that. Oh, you know, I wonder what the weather's going to be, right? I'm just going to check the weather. But in the process, this happened oh, months ago. Ding, you get a text message. Why did I even? I used to shut my phone off altogether so I wouldn't have this problem. But I don't. And so then I get a text. And it's from, from the guy at work that I told you about, the ex-biker guy. And it's like, man, he, we haven't talked for a while. And he reaches out to me. And I like, okay, I better respond now. Well, the next thing I know, I know half an hour is gone. I, I only have like an hour you know, and, and, and that hour entails getting up, making the coffee, and, and doing some household chores to help my wife's life a little bit easier. So that's 15 minutes out of that, just making my coffee. Then I check my mail. Amalek is watching all the time. Satan is watching all the time. And he's getting us because we really want what he's offering us. Take that fruit. It's good. It'll make you wise. It'll make you better. It'll be self-improvement. If you don't think of all you'll be missing. And all the meanwhile, the Amalekites are watching and saying, got another one signed up for Facebook. Woohoo! He's giving me money now. And I own the photos that he puts up. His, his, his own personal stuff's not his anymore. I own it. Right? And we give it all over to Amalekites because that's what we want. And all the while, the Amalekites are standing behind the scenes watching and learning for the next opportunity to engulf these stupid, gullible sucker people. <laughs> and we do it. Why? Oh, it's so hard. Oh, oh, it's so hard. Oh, oh, it's so hard. I want to say, no, it's not. Okay, yeah, it is. So what? Anybody do anything hard to get what they want? God expects us to do hard things to get what he wants to give us. Am I making any sense here? And like you were saying in your thing, you know, I'm preaching to myself here. Let's pray. So anyway, Lord, pull this together. Whatever it is that I'm asking you to pull together. Again, though, thank you for speaking to me. If nothing else, man, you rung my bell again. Thanks for not giving up on me. And I, don't, I know you don't give up on your people. Uh, please do your work to conform us to be more like Yeshua. Get us out of the way. Help us to walk through some of the problem areas in our life that we need to walk through to learn how to trust you to get through them rather than avoiding them or denying them. You know, we, we have to... Oh, we cannot deny the problems, the sins, the things in our life. Sometimes to get through it, you just have to do it. Hence... Moses, these are your people. No more. Get going. It's still going to be ugly along the journey. We've got to get you to the conformity of the promised land. 
And it's going to be a mess. And you're going to have to confront your own anger again. And it's going to cost you something. But God, you don't always spare us from this stuff. And sometimes we have to go through the morass of our mess. But yet, we try to dress us up and make us look good and, and convince ourselves how much better we are than we really are. Because we know how ugly it's going to get if we have to face ourselves and walk through the mud of our mess. But I'm finding out, God, that sometimes the only way to get to the other side is to deal with ourselves, own up to it, accept it, face it, acknowledge it, smell it, wear it, walk in it, before we'll see that, man, I'm in this pig pen eating this crappy food. I had it so much better at my father's house. What the heck am I doing here? We're all prodigals in one way or the other. Keep bringing us back, Father. And thank you that one day we're going to get home and you're going to kill the fatted calf and you're going to just clean us up and you're going to welcome us home and one day we'll be clean. We all look for that. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does nigh only away. For soon is the day when we see your face on the mount of your grace and your.